Booster is excited to support DIA Schools Collaborative on furthering the missions of our respective organizations through Follow to Lead podcast and other DIA programming. Visit ChooseBooster.com for details on Booster's school fundraising events, technology, and customized spirit gear. Booster can help your Catholic school meet and exceed its fundraising goals. Learn more today. Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a twice-a-month journey into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host. And today, we have a very special program that I'm calling the Admissions Mission, where we're going to explore the work of a director of admissions, particularly in a faith-first school where the spiritual mission takes priority. And on this particular topic, I have three special guests with me today. The first is Karen McGinn, who is currently the coordinator for the Duke and Altam Schools Collaborative and the former director of admissions at St. James Academy in Lenexa, Kansas. And Karen is the uh, coordinator for the school summit that Duke and Altam puts on, as well as working with the other operations of the organization and helps to keep me in line too uh, for my deadlines and everything like that. Uh, starting in 20, uh, 2003, she was involved in various positions at St. James Academy and uh, in Catholic schools. We talk about wearing many hats and that's what she did. Uh, from 2012, however, to 12, 2020, she was able to specialize as the director of admissions. And Karen and her husband, Dennis, have lived in Overland Park, uh, for the last 21 years, where they have raised three children who did graduate from St. James Academy. And also with us is Amber Helwick, the current director of admissions at St. James. And Amber went through Catholic schools from K through 12th grade. Uh, and that came from many sacrifices by her parents who wanted their children to receive a Catholic education. She went on to the University of Central Missouri to get a Bachelor of Science degree in therapeutic recreation. And after 11 and a half years with the KC, that's Kansas City, Metro and Southeast Regional uh, Special Olympics for Kansas, where she was regional director, she left in 2020 or 2011, rather, to come to St. James. And she served as the director of advancement there for eight years and now has been the director of admissions for three years. She and her husband, Kelby, have two sons, one in college, junior college, and one in seventh grade. And last but definitely not least, we have Chris Harrington, the Vice President of Admissions and Engagement at J. Sarah High School out in San Juan Capistrano, California. And he's also with us. Uh, Chris came to J. Sarah from the University of Notre Dame, where he worked in university relations and completed his graduate studies. He has a professional background in the medical industry and in higher education with experience in sales, marketing, and consulting. The eldest of 12 children, he grew up in the United Kingdom, and he uh, and his wife, Katrina, live out in Southern California, where she is an artist and entrepreneur, and they're the proud parents of six young children. And uh, Chris is very active doing things like rugby, boxing, surfing, listening to and watching all of those little uh, things go by, Chris, I'm thinking all of those would put me in the hospital at my age. So I really commend you for all of your activity. Anyway, I want to welcome all of you to the program today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Father Randy. Really happy to be here. 
Well, while we want to dig into the area of admissions, we do like to give our guests a little opportunity to share about themselves and give us some background. And so, Amber, I'm going to ask if we could start with you to just share a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah. So I grew up in a small town. Um, my parents still live in a small town. Um, their family, uh, it's about five hours from Kansas City. So um, on the Missouri side, down by Cape Girardeau, Missouri, uh, went to Catholic school, as you mentioned earlier, um, from kindergarten through 12th grade, and was very blessed to have um, the the school that I attended was really small, graduating class of 46. So um, in my high school, and then as I, I mentioned, I went on to college, um, and then Ended up in this job, which was um, super amazing. I was uh, really not looking to um, leave my job uh, at Special Olympics when I was there. But for some reason, uh, there was a calling or something that I had faith that was pulling me this direction. And it was um, funny because we were I was talking about it with one of my coworkers uh, and asking her if I was, she felt like I was qualified for the job. And she's like, of course you are. You're really, you know, why are you questioning yourself? And so applied and got to interview with Karen and our president, Andy Talicki, which was super awesome and have been really blessed to be here um, since I said, since 2011 and um, working with some great people. And it really has um, helped me to grow in my faith. Also, um, even more so, it's been really great for my family. Um, my husband is not Catholic, um, but he has been very supportive in our marriage of 21 years uh, and supporting Catholic education, goes to mass with us um, and understands the importance of that. And obviously, I pray in time that maybe he will become a convert um, to the Catholic faith. But um, yeah, it's been really a blessing. And I've had a really great uh, teacher to follow when she retired during COVID, <laughs> um, but, it really, but it was really great um, to have Karen here. And I look at her as a mentor. And so um, I think, I guess, all in all, I've been really blessed to have the foundation from my parents um, to where I am now and working in a school with the faith and the mission at forefront is really important. And for my son who graduated last year uh, was really awesome. I was talking to some parents prospective parents the other day and just what a blessing it was to have him surrounded by so many men in our building who are willing to share their faith and um, be a role model for him. And so that was been really great for me because one of the things when he graduated, we had a quick meeting. Um, we call them, we changed our CSP up. Um, and so we had the parents came in and the one, the one thing that he talked about was how, when he grows up, which he's grown up, but when he gets married, his number one thing is how much he wants to be a really great dad. Wow. And I thought, well, that's pretty stinking amazing that, you know, um, academics and all that stuff obviously is, it was important too, but that couldn't have made my heart any happier um, to know that we've done a pretty good job of raising a, a good young man. So, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And Karen, how about you? <laughs> Um, I'm a small town Iowa girl. Um, I went to a small school um, that was only only offered classes up to sixth grade, and then everyone matriculated into the public schools. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids, a couple of very devout Catholic parents, really instilled a lot in the faith, both of my sets of grandparents, also devout Catholic. Um, so I really had a lot to emulate there. Um, then I met my husband, Dennis, his family also well-formed Catholics. Um, so that's been important to our family as, you know, the kids were little and growing up. Um, Dennis worked for a corporation. We took a few relocations, left Iowa and moved around different parts of the country. Um, and every stop along the way, I got involved as a parent volunteer or, you know, parish volunteer, did some different things. And basically then when we got to Kansas City, that's what got me engaged with just the right people who who then introduced me that this high school was going to open in 2005. So I dropped a little, Hey, you know, if you're looking for some help, some help with, for something, you know, I wasn't looking for anything full-time, but boy, did it become full-time in a hurry. And um, we have just found some 
really valuable friends through our parish and through our kids um, Catholic school here. And then all of the friends that I made working at St. James, they're just some really valuable relationships that support us um, in a lot of phases of life. And then from there, I met DIA and the leadership of DIA. And that's how and then after I retired from uh, St. James, then I was able to stay involved. And that really means a lot to our family too right now. It's really rewarding for me to do. Well, it's it's wonderful for DIA to have you, especially with that kind of uh, backstory in helping to develop a school from the get-go to the place where St. James is now. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful history. So Chris, it's your turn. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, so I moved all over the place growing up. I'm the oldest of 12. It's a big number. Um, and I had a really eclectic childhood kind of experience. I was born in Texas, lived there until I was five. We did a couple of years in Dayton, Ohio. Elementary school was mostly North County, San Diego, um, near the beach. Gorgeous. And then when I was 12, so I was I was homeschooled for a period of that. And then middle school, upper elementary. I was in a little Catholic school in Rancho Santa Fe. That was brand new startup. And then when I was 12, my parents informed me that we were going to move to the UK. So we, we moved overseas, outskirts of London. I'd never been out of the country. It was totally life-changing. I, I don't think I talked to my parents for about a year after that, probably. <laughs> uh, but it wound up being a fantastic experience. So I spent middle and upper school all of those years in the UK. I was looking for an international environment, right? So the education system in England is very different. So my parents put all of us kids in an international school. It was not faith-based, but it was, it was a really, really strong academic environment. Very rigorous, very supportive, small school, probably 100 students in my graduating class. I was always very active. I, I was played a ton of different sports. I played rugby. Um, you can tell that I've played a lot of sports that that lean towards head injuries because my nose has been broken like four times, I think, <laughs> boxing and rugby. Uh, yeah, but we, we had a great experience growing up in England. I, I headed back to the States for undergrad and grad school. I went to Notre Dame, played rugby and boxed all the way through. My, my next brother, David, he went to school with me there. We had a amazing formative experiences. I would say that there was right a great experience in terms of academics and extracurricular life, but I really grew a ton of my faith and made it my own during my college experience. I met my wife there. So so we got to the grotto and married at the Basilica at Notre Dame. Uh, and then I, I wound up early career in, in medical device sales. Um, and it was challenging and rigorous and great early kind of professional experience but i i didn't find myself really deeply fulfilled and i didn't feel like like i had really discerned a calling and so i got offered a job back at notre dame and it was a huge pay cut and a total total change of career track and katrina and i had a little baby on the way our first son ryan and she she just had a lot of confidence and faith and she really pushed pushed us to go in a different direction and that that wound up being really transformational for our family i went back and spent three years in grad school i worked for the university i my master's degree was in theology so i, I got great formation made me a much better husband and father i think still lots to work on but but it really helped me along there and then we finished up and I, we were kind of looking coast to coast at catholic high schools and Jay Sarah out here in San Juan Capistrano really stood out to me because we had just outstanding leadership like Rich Meyer and, and Pat, who you guys know are both very involved in DIA. Right. And a deep faith and a real passion for the formational component of Catholic education. And that that really resonated with me. And then my parents are out here in Southern California. So there was there was a grandkid, grandparent connection too. And then I grew up like always an athlete, always really involved. And and it can be hard to find a Catholic high school that kind of offers everything. But but Jay Sarah has like top-notch sports programs and great facilities. And and I came in at a really nice time um, in the lifespan of the school. We were founded in 2003. And we've really hit our stride in the last few years. But it's 
it's been a great learning experience for me. Really challenging in the right ways. I work way too much, but but I, I feel really rewarded by my work and really supported. And it's it's amazing getting to meet all these incoming families and and really communicating, I think, what's unique about what we're trying to accomplish here at JSAS. Mm-hmm. It's been fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Well, as I said before the broadcast, we're not. Go- I'm not going to call on anybody as we go through these questions. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have buzzers like on Jeopardy, so you can't be the first one to hit the buzzer. I'm just going to kind of uh, throw some things out and uh, let whoever wants to share and others can kind of join in and add additional information and perspective. Now, I want to start with the basics. Uh, during my school tenure at St. Michael, one of the things I found out that even among some at the school, they really didn't know what admissions did, that uh, they just assumed students just came and they got enrolled and joined the classes. And uh, I wonder if uh, one of you would just kind of begin giving us a perspective on what does the Office of Admissions actually do? I'm happy to take a stab at it. Sure. So this is a pretty competitive high school landscape out here. We've got dozens of private high schools in our area. So I think I think people, a lot of their framework around education tends to be set by the university and college system, right? And when you think about the university and college system, it seems like all that admissions does is read applications and then decide who gets in, which seems, right, not, not, not too challenging. Um, I, I think in the K through 12 space, the vast majority of the time, we are basically recruiters, right? We're going out there and trying to convince families that there's real value attached to a Catholic education that you can't get for free at your local public school. And so like when I think about 75% of my job, it's going out and convincing families that that we offer really something unique for their child's education and formation, and then that that we can figure out a way to to make it work for their family life. Okay. Anybody want to add to that? I mean, I I would just second what he said. I think the biggest um, kind of the conversation, I guess, in addition to that is the the faculty and your student body, Um, you know, just educating them again. Like you said, it's not just reading applications and and yes, you, you get in. There's so much more to it. And I think for us and probably for you as well out at J. Sarah, it's your families and your students and their experiences and them, the willingness for them to share their story of why they chose to come to your school. What was the draw for them? Um, And I think just because we have two great Catholic high schools here as well. And we always tell parents that, you know, you have to find the one that's the best fit for you, but also um, just sharing with our teachers, letting them know what we're, what we're up to, what our responsibilities are that we have today. We had to take a look Tuesday where we had 12 families come in the building and tour. And I pop into some classrooms and let them get to hear experience firsthand um, what our school is like on a daily basis. And it's just been really, really great and allowing people to come in and then also going to have those conversations with families outside of the building as well. Anything you want to add? I I think it's important that the administration of the schools have have the mess lay out the message that th- these people have an important role. Not only are they bringing in the families that pay tuition that provides your salary and your benefits, but they are counting on you to help form their kids. And we are all working. You know, the message that we're all working to. Kyle's phrase: "Rechurch the church." Mm-hmm. Right? Kyle Pietrantonio mm-hmm. says that a lot. So in order for us to embolden the future of our church, we have to have strong Catholic schools. And that's where the admissions office can help, you know, spread that word that the rest of the faculty and coaches and and then the families and the students as well buy in and that there's a lot, there's a bigger picture. It's bigger than what's going on in this building. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's very helpful because there is, there's recruiting involved as well as enrollment processing. I mean, it's multifaceted in terms of moving a student from zero to full in at the school. Absolutely. In, in the school, like in J. Sarah, uh, St. James and uh, the schools, particularly where I'm just thinking of the schools in Duke and Altum and other schools that are like-hearted. We really are 
faith first. We're mission driven in terms of our spiritual mission. I know at St. Michael, we used to say to families when they would visit that uh, our job was to help get your kids to heaven, but we wanted them to go to college first or to a trade school or for a good job. So we wanted to get make sure that academics were good, but let them know that the primacy of the, the spiritual mission. How does that inform or uh, drive the admissions uh, work maybe in a little bit different way? Anybody want to kind of take a stab at that one? I'll, I'll start that we had a we had a policy basically a policy that um especially for those families that well it, was, it seemed like a, a home run the kids that came out of our partner grade schools coming into our high school were going to be a pretty good fit but there were also a lot of families who came out of the religious ed programs and parishes that had been in public school so did they really understand what the differences were going to be in their day-to-day school life once they come into a Catholic high school. And then also, you know, this, this, especially in the last two years, you guys have worked a lot more with it is the students that transfer in from public school because of all the changes that have taken place since COVID. And so there again, you have to reinforce that this is going to be a completely different environment and we want to help you buy in, but some of that buy-in is on you too. You need to make the best effort to make it productive for you. So we have to really build expectations for the parents and the students, especially if they're coming from that kind of an environment. Exactly. Uh, I would say that I, I, I think it's all in the framing. I, I, I think I think one thing that a, a, a lot of Catholic schools tend to be a little bit shy about is, is being confident about their identity. Uh, I mean, here in California, right? I mean, you guys read the news a little bit, right? But things... Things have changed a lot, like really radically in the last five or 10 years in terms of the educational landscape, right? And so having having schools out there that that are willing willing to embrace like sort of classically liberal educational model, right? With with family values and that type of thing. I think that's something that more and more families are looking for now. Mm-hmm. And having a school that's confident to say, we, we do things a little bit differently and, and we, we really embrace this component of our life. I think there's a, there's a lot of people that are looking for that, for that confidence, for that belief in who you are. And we have a diverse community, right? We'll have, we'll have Jewish families here and, and families that aren't even Christian. Right. But I, I think it goes a long way with most families. If, if you're just willing to, to be confidently who you are and enthusiastic about that, not, not, not to any sort of like, detrimental end, but, but just, right. This is who we are. And we're really proud and enthusiastic of that. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. Um, but I think people can feel that authenticity. Absolutely. And the values too, I think, um, you know, with families transferring in or, you know, families that are coming, like their kids have attended public school, whether they're Catholic or Christian and looking for something for high school that is a little bit different than the public school option for their child. From what I've seen over the last two or three years, it is, it's the values. It's the, the mission that they are looking for. That is what they, what they practice at home. And, you know, we are very upfront. Um, I know probably Jay, Sarah, you are too. When we're giving tours, I mean, this is who we are. We have mass daily every single day from eight to eight thirty. It's optional. Um, we offer reconciliation and Eucharistic adoration every single Friday. Um, and for your for your child to participate, if they want to take advantage of participating in those sacraments, and then retreats. Um, these are the these are the non negotiables of things that we do um, mm-hmm. that make us unique and who we are and we are going to stick stick by that, um, and um, and like you said, um, our mission is to get your child to heaven. But we know that every child is on a different faith journey, and we are going to mm-hmm. meet them, support them where they are um, in that, but also partner with you as the parent, ultimately to offer that support as well, but also to get them to heaven. That's our number one goal. In the work of admissions, what do you all think are the events or activities that are most critical to really expose the students to uh, your school and have them embrace the mission and say, hey, that's where I really want to go. Yeah, so I'll I'll take a stab at this. I would say probably the biggest driving force for us 
is our shadow day program. And I, I know this, this looks different for schools all over the country. Um, and it even looks different for a lot of the schools in our neck of the woods. I, I see a lot of high schools where they'll do for their shadow program, they'll do one big day and they'll have a hundred kids come and visit or something like that. And this is, this is a lot more work for us, but we offer shadow days all twice a week, basically throughout most of the fall semester. So they're not big, fun, extravagant days, but it gives kids that level of comfort with our school and community. And so when I when I think about the admissions process, for me, it's all about creating a level of comfort first for the kids and then for the parents. Um, and if you can if you can get them in environments around your school, whether it's open houses or shadow days or, or Friday night football games, where you can just get a feel for the community and how how you'll potentially fit for the next four years. That goes a really long way from our perspective. I would say the same. I would I would agree with you. Um, the shadow days are the the way to go. And yes, we are we do exactly the same way. I think I've had two a week now since September, and uh, it's and actually I was you know um, it's it's been really great. But I do I agree. The smaller the numbers, you know, I think it's important to realize that they each get to experience the day themselves, not, yes, they want to come with friends, but it's not about their friends. It's about them and their experience. Mm -hmm. They get to, to share with their ambassador and learning about who we are in our culture and, and what we offer. So, and then of course the chat, the open houses and the take a look Tuesdays, I think for us is really big um, for mm -hmm. our parents, just allowing them the opportunity to step into the building and to hop into some classrooms for some in-person instruction and get to hear what's actually being taught um, in the different classrooms, I think is a huge um, success for us as well. I, I've always been an advocate that the parents needed to be more involved in this decision-making process. That's always frustrated me since the beginning of time that, you know, kids were making this big of decision yeah. and it's, it's not just the dollars piece of the decision, but also what what community that they're entering into. So um, I always liked the Take a Look Tuesdays or you know Walk Through Wednesdays or whatever you call your program, where the parents can see and envision their student in this environment on a day to day basis. And then also the open house because we always had full support of our staff and faculty and coaches on open house day. So any person that they wanted to meet and, you know, some of those tough parent questions, our staff and faculty and coaches were ready to talk about, you know, when they make cuts and why they make cuts on a sports roster or, um, you know, how do you answer this question in science with the, the Catholic worldview? All of our people are really willing and able to answer those types of things. And the parents come equipped and, the, you know, they'll get some zingers once in a while, but I think that's what they need to do in order to have the best possible choice for their family. It's interesting to me to see that the, the uh, pendulum has swung toward the students making a major part of the decision in terms of where they go. And for us, part of the litmus for whether or not the school was really making some good traction is when they began to say, my friends are now going to St. Michael's, so I want to go there. Yeah. Is, is there a way to uh, really involve or draw the parents in more aggressively, uh, as you were talking about, Karen? <laughs> um, gosh, we try. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time on the phone with parents, you know, when the kids were saying, I'm not going to go to this school because my friends are going to another school. And right. that's when I got the parent involved in the conversation. Um, and just to verify that that's how the decision's being made at your house, then there's nothing more I can do other than, you know, I hope that um, at some point, if anything changes, you'll give me a call back. But um, I always, I always try to engage the parent conversation if, if it was really coming down to the full student decision. I, One of the big, good echo, kid, Chris. Yeah, sure. I, I would echo that it's really important to get parental buy-in. I think a lot of times you, you face perception issues, especially for like parents coming through with their, with their first kid. And often in our neck of the woods, right? Like private schools, Catholic schools, Christian schools, they're all viewed as sort of like different flavors of, of the same thing. And, and there, there's a lack of appreciation for, for real differences between schools. And so parents land in a spot where they're like, well, they're all good. So I'm going to leave it up to my kid. And, and often that's what we'll see. I think 
like I can have a conversation with the parent, but in my opinion, that only goes so far. Like, so when I think of the way the way we set students up on Saturdays, right? They're they're talking to a peer about their high school experience. I think having a really strong grassroots network of parents who you trust and who can mm-hmm. advocate for the school can help give other parents the confidence to say, hey, this is how we approach the high school decision in a way that an admissions person with you know an oldest kid who's 11 years old couldn't quite do. Right. Yeah, I know that uh, one of the things we did is start a, uh, a freshman picnic for all of the freshman families to come together at the school. Uh, we could give tours of the school, but it was a great opportunity for the teachers and administration to mix with all of the parents. We had uh, games to play and different things happening. But uh, like you said, Chris, it, we, we got to somehow get the students uh, there, but also the parents with other parents so that they feel that that sense of community as well. Great. Yeah. And then from there, it affects retention, which is the other half of admissions. I mean, enrollment is big, but retention is just as big. So, yeah, that's where events like that really pay off, that you can get those, the, continue to it, strengthen the community. Well, let's talk about retention for a second. Have you been successful in your schools to really help the teachers to realize that that's one of their major responsibilities as well? Like, yes. I mean, we, uh, I think for us at the beginning of every school year and even at every faculty retreat, whether it's at fall semester or starting in January, you know, I really try to get in front of our teachers and talk to them about in the beginning of the school year, who's all our freshmen are that are coming in. And then second semester, really, what do those transfers look like and how as a teacher, can you help support and answer questions, but also help partner with me if there are issues that do arise, like how do we have conversations? Um, if maybe something, maybe a student isn't feeling connected as they should um, initially or um, are struggling a little bit, how do we partner together to, to figure that out, work with the counselor, also have the conversations with the parents so we can talk to them about, hey, let's talk about what's going on. Because if we aren't aware of what's going on, then we can't try to help problem solve. I mean, and obviously we're not going to be able to fix everything, but we want to do our best to help resolve um, and help that student feel a part of it and help feel a part of the community, no matter what's going on, whether it's friendships, whether it's academics, whether it's relationships, um, whether it's mental health or social emotional, I mean, we want to partner with the parent um, and focus on the whole child um, and their well-being. And how do we do that? Yeah, at J. Sarah, we we actually have a little bit of a different approach. Like admissions is entirely externally focused, right? So once they're in the school, we're we're not engaging in retention type initiatives. Those are owned by our principal and run through counseling, right? Because every student's going to have a counselor, which I I think helps us to to keep things a little bit cleaner. I, I think that the biggest one one of the biggest things that we found in that regard, and I, I think our retention numbers have been really really strong recently, is just giving ownership of retention to somebody who can affect it, right? And so me and my team, I have an amazing team around me. We're not in the classroom every day with the students. We're not on the sports field with them. We're not meeting with them to talk with them about college and classes and those kinds of things. So I I feel like it's been really helpful to get that to a place where where people naturally have eyes on it. And it kind of removes the middleman a little bit there, right? Where, Where teachers are feeling like, oh, I'm handing this off to admissions to, to take a look at it's great if the principal has eyes on it and is communicating that message directly to teachers and counselors. So that's been helpful for us. Good. Yeah. I want to kind of get into a situation that is, uh, that's been touchy over the years and that is how sports fits into admissions and recruitment. Uh, I know that, you know, sometimes Catholic schools have been given a bit of a bad rap on some of that. How how do you approach the aspect of sports as a part of the recruitment process? That's a great question. Um, well, every time you say the word recruitment, it makes me want to cringe. I'm <laughs> sorry. Say, no, it's 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 not a bad thing, but I think it's 
it has a bad connotation for for people when they think recruitment. Yeah. I think they think um, we are paying people to come. You know what I mean? Paying people right. to come here. And for us, um, I mean, that's what you do in admissions. You recruit. Your job is to recruit families, to work with them, to partner with them, or to encourage them to come to your school. So for us, um, the way we look at it, uh, I love when our principal and our president, uh, we always have a parent information night, um, usually in the fall for prospective families who are looking. And they always usually it's always our president first, then our director of faith formation goes next, and then our principal. And, um, you know, when our principal then gets up to talk, he said, you will notice that we are very, obviously, I always go third, because academics are really important, but faith and mission are our number one. And him and our president, our principal and president will always say, we have really great coaches in our building. We have really great athletics, but a coach will never get fired based on their wins and loss records. Um, for us, it is about the human beings that they are, the students that they are working with and the disciples that they are creating and those relationships that they are building. So when we have, we do have parents ask us questions um, about athletics and if their child is going to come, if they're able to come, what kind of, um, you know, maybe scholarship can they receive? And we are always 100% upfront that we do not give athletic scholarships. We only give academic scholarships and, um, you know, sports are, are huge and involvement is very huge to a child, um, to a student's education um, and being well-rounded in a high school, but that is not our number one focus. And so for us, we choose not to go that route and um, only focus on the academic as far as scholarship based. We also had the policy that, um, you know, for a parent or a student who reached out to one of our coaches to say, hey, I want to come to your school. The policy was for before that coach could speak directly with the student, they needed to be funneled through the admissions office, scheduled for a shadow day and, you know, invited to open house or whatever the next upcoming programs were. So um, it was mastered through the admissions office first rather than with the sports discussion for or fine arts sometimes too, discussions. So um, we're, we're pretty, pretty, ad we've always remained pretty adamant about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like some of the coaches are maybe not all on board with it because they wanted to drive this conversation, but we really, I think, I think we've done a good job of making sure that it was, they were aware of our school and our community system and our faith mission mm -hmm. first, and then we'll talk about uh, extracurriculars. Absolutely. So, so here in California, I mean, sports are a really big deal, e even to a different degree than I, I think the rest of the country. Um, and right, America loves, we, we love our sports, right? Like Super Bowl Sunday, I think is the probably third or fourth biggest holiday of the year at this point. Um, we have really, really high caliber sports programs at JSERNA. So we have a little bit of a different approach. We we really embrace sports in a lot of ways. And if you look at our, at our track record, we have, we had the number one pick in the 2017 major league baseball draft straight out of high school, Royce Lewis. We have the number one baseball team in the country right now. We have the number one water polo team in the country right now. Um, we have a ton of kids going off to play sports in college. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a very delicate line to walk. We are, we're blessed with an extraordinary athletic director, Chris Ledger. He was, the athletic director for 20 years at Franciscan University. Um, so I, I think he, he has a really good appreciation for how to operate at a very high level from a competition perspective while still keeping, as he would say, the main thing, the main thing. And, and that's faith formation first and then academic second and sports third. And we're, we're candid about families who are coming to our school being really transparent and saying, hey, faith and character first, it's academic second and, and sports are third At the same time we're very comfortable embracing that as a way to drive forward the mission of our school so jay sarah is a, a very ecumenical place a very evangelical school in a lot of ways right we're we're constantly trying to bring families farther along in their faith journey and I, candidly I, I think gosh the majority of American high school students now, right, coming in as ninth graders, 
sports are like a really essential component of their decision. So, so we kind of view sports as now, now we see that and we say, Hey, you know what? That's problematic in some ways. And we recognize that, right? Sports, right? Like if you look at the amount of time and energy and resources that families are committing to sports, it, it's crazy, right? It's a little bit out of whack. Um, at the same time, we view that as a huge opportunity, right? When we talk about meeting people where they are, talk about faith formation and the development of young people. One of the oppor- the greatest opportunities is is kids on a sports field, right? You talk about who they're influenced by the most and who can really impact their faith life, the kind of person that they're growing into. And a lot of times I would say it's probably the head coach of their favorite sports. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yep. so, so we're constantly trying to, to strike that balance. We, we, we don't have a perfect approach, but I would say like admissions, we, we work hand in hand with our athletic department because they're trying to bring in some of the top athletes in the country, but they can't communicate directly with them. So we need to make sure that we're doing a good job of staying within CIF guidelines and, and making sure that families are choosing a school, not a sports program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was well put. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you a really somewhat of a loaded question right now. And that is, uh, what are some of the determining factors that you have that would help predict whether a student may be a good fit at your school? So we, we look at a lot and we, we're in the last few years, we've probably become the most selective high school in Orange County. So we only admit about 60% of our applicants. So we've had to add some additional pieces to the admissions rubric because as I'm sure my colleagues here, my, my counterparts here recognize, there's a lot of grade inflation in like middle and elementary school. So it can be hard to distinguish between students a lot of times. So we'll look at GPA and courses taken and the school that they're coming from, recommendations, personal statement. We have we have a ton of different components. I think one of the biggest things is there's nothing that substitutes for, for building personal relationships. And so whether it's grassroots relationships with families who are already part of our community and know what we're all about, or getting families on campus and getting to meet them in person, whether it's for shadow days or open houses, like I, I, I think... I think right it's still small enough the community our, our school where that grassroots roots component is really really essential for for getting to know families who who are going to be a great fit for your school and then helping them decide whether you're a good fit for them as well right being transparent about who you are our probably our biggest indicator would would be i mean we're not nearly as highly selective but we feel like the students that are coming from our feeder schools, we have a really good relation, not our partner schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a really good relationship with the administrations in those schools. And they, you know, there's several of their um, principals have been known to call us and say, I want you to know this about this student. Or, you know, when a, when a parent comes and says, um, you know, my student has these accommodations at, at their current school, will you be able to um, modify their high school plan with you to meet those needs? And, you know, so there's some conversation in which case the, our biggest probably determining factor would be through the counseling office. Mm-hmm. They would, you know, that that would be the only reason someone we would say, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get it done, you know, with mm-hmm. the resources we have in our building. And then they may be able to modify an education plan. Um, but yeah, that that's where we, I, I, that would be the only case I would think of that would, it would probably come through the counseling team. I would agree. And I think we, we do a really good job of, of families who might um, financially, have financial struggles are a burden. Um, really kind of the, the conversation that we have with them or that I have with them is that, um, you know, if, if Catholic education um, is something that you really seek and desire for your family. Please have a conversation with us before you go and look anywhere else, because we want to try to partner with you to mm-hmm. try to make it as realistic as we can um, to work with you and get to a point to where you would feel comfortable and you can afford sending your child here. Um, because we feel like that's really important. And I know a lot of families, there are a lot of families who don't even explore Catholic high school as an option, even coming from some of our partner schools, um, simply for the fact that they don't feel like that they can afford it. And I think 
just having those conversations with them and realizing, hey, maybe it is an option. You just need to have a conversation and be willing to talk about it. Um, so that's kind of um, in conversations that I get from families. They're like, well, what's tuition? And you can you can tell. I mean, I, I ask them, you know, are you receiving financial assistance from your grade school? And then we continue to have that conversation and and talk a little bit about what that looks like, even though ultimately I'm not the one who makes the decision. I think that would be the only other determining factor, I think, when it comes to families maybe not deciding to come uh, to here is simply financial. Well, the I radio, think, yeah, I go want ahead. A statement I mean, because I, I don't want I don't want the impression out there that the grade school principals or administrations are calling us and saying you should know this about you know, Johnny right. or Susie. Um, it's It's been in extreme cases where there's been, you know, ask them about this. It's been, since it's been done with great respect and confidence. Uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to leave that out there that they were just randomly calling us and going. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There are privacy Yes, issues yeah. that are that are being adhered to at the same time they can just say hey you might want to check on this thank you right yeah. so really any students who come like i'll just add on to that you know if they have a plan or a mm -hmm. we call it 504 or a catholic school support plan i mean we ask them to sign a records release and then we do i don't the counseling department would have conversations with their school resource teacher or the principal to make sure that we can service and provide the needs for their student of the things that they're they're looking for for high school for their student mm -hmm. so just to add on to that yeah you know, one of the things we we touched on just a little bit a while ago uh it has to do with the public schools you know particularly since the covid pandemic and the other societal factors that are occurring right now, the number of students from the public schools that are enrolling in Catholic schools has risen exponentially. I mean, we've seen it here. I'm sure you all have seen it in uh, your areas as well. And obviously, there's a difference in experience and expectations of what the students and what the parents had at uh, their public schools with what they're going to experience uh, at a Catholic school. What has been your experience in the best way to really uh, give them uh, the best entry experience they can have? I'd point to a couple of different things that we do. So in terms of letting people know who we are, we're transparent about that in the admissions process. Every student who applies or every every family that applies will actually see a statement of our Catholic values. So we're, we're very upfront about it on the front end. And then we're, we're pretty diligent about an onboarding process and whether you're coming in as a ninth grader or as a transfer student, I mean, we've got incoming student night, we've got counselor meetings, we've got a, a lot of our incoming students will do a freshman, a freshman seminar, summer school class or two, you've got sport camps, you've got a couple of days of freshman orientation. We really do view it as a community for the whole family, right? Like we we want to partner with parents in the educational process. So we put a lot out there in terms of making sure that that adjustment to, to J. Sarah is as seamless as possible. And I would say the same um, for us. I mean, we, during the onboarding process, uh, just an example of this year at the beginning of the school year, I think this is we are officially now at 10% of our student body that is not Catholic, which is the largest that we've ever had since we opened in 2005. Um, and so I really work hard with um, our team and our administration to uh, share our mission and our values, which again, we're very, we're very upfront about it on our, um, in all of our admission stuff and the conversations that we have, this is our mission, this is who we are. But we also created a night, um, kind of it's part of with our check-in night where we invite our non-Catholic parents and the students and they come in uh, and here kind of it's a, like a little half hour kind of presentation slash conversation place to ask questions. And it is led by one of our theology, one or two of our theology teachers, and then also two of our staff members who are not Catholic. And they talk about... Um, they, they share with them from the Catholic, this is what we teach. This is, you know, we want you to understand and be comfortable when you're coming in. This is what you're going to 
to see and be a part of, but from the non-Catholic point of view, from our teachers or students who aren't Catholic, this is what it felt like when I came in. And this is what I want, you know, you to know and understand. And then just a place for them to ask questions and Mm -hmm. get the answers for things that they're looking for. Um, You know, some of the feedback, I guess, last year that we received is we do a really great job of, um, sharing with our students who aren't Catholic, our mission. And cause they're in the building, they get to live it every single day. And our parents aren't in the building every single day. So for those parents who aren't Catholic, and even though we invite them to come to mass with their child for like a mother, son mass or a father, daughter mass for them, it still may be a little bit intimidating because they don't experience mass on a daily basis like we do. So we are working with them and some of our parents to work a little bit, you know, to help them be a part of it and want to, to come up regularly and to uh, be a part of our community and understand that piece. Hopefully that helps. (laughs) Hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting process uh, with every family, whether they're Catholic or not, each family comes in unique, doesn't it? And has a certain amount of of things that uh, need to be answered in terms of questions that they might not even know at the time. So uh, it's, yeah, it's almost a customized thing for everybody. Uh, One of the things that, that we experienced uh, at St. Michael being a new school and being somewhat of a smaller school as we started, uh, we were competing, especially against some privates and some Catholic privates that had huge admissions budgets. I mean, the the kids were receiving gifts every month and mailings and, you know, mom gets a washer and dryer. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> I mean, it almost, it almost felt like that. And uh, so we were always striving to find some creative ways that we can build expectation and interest in our school without having to, uh, you know, just blow the budget apart. Uh, what are some creative things that you all have done to really build interest uh, in your schools? I think some of the things that we did well were, first of all, build relationships with families and students and, and you know, getting them involved um, from like sixth, especially sixth grade on to continue to invite them to campus to, um, you know, introduce them to some of our current parents who would be like ambassadors and call on some families. Um, I, we also ended up getting kind of good at doing like videos and, you know, mm-hmm. not non-tangibles, but things that still, you know, didn't blow the budget of, you know, mailing and buying and, you know, handing out gifts, but still really laid out a good message about how your student could feel at home in our community. Yeah, I I would say we have we have a ton of schools in our area that spend way more than we do on on fluff, on tchotchkes, on giveaways and stuff like that. Um, and not to say that we don't, right? Like we like for example, we'll go and visit eighth grade classrooms and we'll we'll bring some like nice mugs for eighth grade teachers. They they wind up on desks and right, those kinds of like little tokens can go a long way, but it's not like we're we're sending gifts to our families all the time. I I guess I'm a little old school in this regard. I think it's all about relationships. It's all about people feeling comfortable. I'm, I'm kind of a nerd about this. And I wrote a pretty lengthy paper on, on community during grad school, right? There's this book from the late 90s called Bowling Alone by a guy named Robert Putnam. And it's on the decline of social capital in the United States, right? Like basically the dissolution of our communities, our local communities. And I think that Catholic schools have a really unique ability to offer people something that's that's really missing, right? That's that sense of belonging, that being part of a community. And I think kids feel that with teams and kids feel that with their friends and, and they want to be a part of something like that in high school. And so not that the other things don't matter. Like we give away hats and t-shirts and stuff like that to eighth graders, right? When they visit campus, but but I think it's secondary to the, the relationships that you're trying to build. I, I agree. I think that uh, that whole issue of relationship, I know that one of the things that uh, Kyle Pietrantonio likes to talk about is the school is a parish. <clears throat> and really, you're developing not just a student community, but a parent community, a faculty community, and all of these kind of 
uh, all work together to form this unique whole, uh, at least for a four-year experience if it's high school and an eight-year experience if you go all the way through a, a K-8 through program. And probably more easily uh, entered uh, in a parochial environment like a, a, a Catholic school that belongs to a parish than it does in a high school. But it's been exciting to watch how the parents have become a part of the fabric and you see them uh, buying a, a sweatshirt for you know your school and wearing it in public. And that, that becomes a, a piece of uh, uh, marketing right there. Mm, absolutely. Okay. I have one last question for y'all before we uh, have to wrap it up. Uh, you have a platform here speaking to Catholic school administrators and educators. And uh, as I look at our metrics, uh, we have people from other countries that are watching this. Uh, so what's one thing that you would like to say to them from the vantage point of your position as uh, uh, one in admissions? What What would you like to say, especially to administrators? I'll I'll take a stab here. I think that every Catholic high school should be investing energy and talent and resources in admissions like almost nothing else on campus. Right? When you talk about the mission of being in, to impact lives, you can't do that if they're not in the building. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's at the heart of what you're trying to do institutionally. And, and I really think like we found it can be just such a game changer in terms of the culture of the school, right? From getting people to register on time to uh, planning for the next year. I, I think that being in a strong position in terms of admissions can be life-changing for, for a Catholic school. So I, I, I just say, be really passionate about it because there's just incredible value there. I'm going to um, actually, this isn't mine, um, but I'm going to, Andy Talicki is our president at St. James Academy. And Andy has always said, and, and this probably goes back to even our first president back in 2004 or five, um, put Jesus at the center of everything you do and all your other successes will fall from there. So whether it's the most national merit scholars, whether it's the most state titles, whether it's the most blue ribbon awards for, for acting or, you know, band one ratings, all of those things fall from his office, putting Jesus at the center. And I would that was, say that was a way better answer than I gave. <laughs> <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> no, I, I guess just to add on to that kind of uh, Chris, like what you said, I think uh, where we are, we're very blessed to um, have admissions positions in our Catholic high schools. Um, and I know the archdiocese here is really trying to focus on helping the grade schools um, develop those positions because it's really hard for the principal or assistant principal to continue to grow their community um, or their students and their families when they have their other duties. So I think it is a blessing to have this job, but also to have the support around you um, for that and just to share that mission. And, and then again, those relationships, inviting families in and being able to dedicate the time to them that is necessary. Um, even if you don't get any work done, you know, right. <laughs> that day you go home and do it at night. I mean, that's, that's just the way it works. And, um, yeah. And then like, like Andy's answer, like Karen said. <laughs> Excellent. Well, all three of you, thank you so much for, for being with us today on, uh, follow to lead. And, uh, Amber, if people want to get a hold of you, what is the website for St. James Academy? Our website is www.sjathunder.org. Okay. And they can reach you by email through there if they have any questions. Yes, they can reach me by email through there. Um, my contact information is on there as well as my phone number. So, yeah. Okay, great. And Chris, uh, for jsarah. jsarah.org. Very easy. My, my contact information really easily on our admissions page there. Email me. I'm happy to collaborate and support Catholic schools wherever I can. Wonderful. And uh, Karen, you can be reached through DIA. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Uh, yeah, we're at diaschools.org. Um, sign up for our mailing list. Stay in touch with the events that we have. All of our um, our has, the past podcasts are linked there, including the the interview with Chris Ledger, which was really really good. Um, and so, yeah, stay in touch with DIA Schools. Recommend it for your school leadership, your diocesan school leadership, um, and any teachers, campus ministers are welcome to to take part. Absolutely. And one of the things that I love that's kind of a new, I think, component for us is that we now are offering individual memberships as well. So it's still, still on the drafting board, but yes, it's coming. Yeah, down. that's that's coming. So in other words, if your school isn't involved, but you would like to be, I think that there's good uh, some good news in the future there for that. That's the goal. Well, wonderful again to have all of you uh, here on the podcast. And for our audience, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to Follow to Lead and be sure to leave a comment to encourage us toward future programs. And as you've already heard, to learn more about Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative, you may visit our website at diaschools.org. And we do want to thank our production assistant, Alex Shire, for his assistance in the production of this podcast. May Almighty God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Brother Randy. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.